I want you to turn to three people and tell them, get ready, God is in the house. there was one time in Africa sorry India and there were some fanatics that were threatening that they would take my life if I preached that night in fact the next night the government banned me from preaching in the crusade thousands of people had come and I had to sit on the stage and I couldn't preach. Now you tell an evangelist to sit on a stage where there are lost people and don't preach the gospel. I was like a caged lion. I was just sitting there saying, Jesus, why did you bring me all the way to India and I can't preach? The next night, we spoke with the government and they said, look, you can preach the gospel. And that night I was in my room, I was in my hotel and I was praying. And I was saying, God, what would you have me speak? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me something so powerful. He said, when you take the stage tonight, don't say any of the word. Don't introduce yourself. Don't greet them. When you come into the pulpit, begin to shout the name of Jesus. I said, God, are you sure about this? He said, tonight, when you step into the pulpit, begin to call upon the name of Jesus. I said, yes, Lord. I got there and there were thousands of people there. And the preachers were sat, they introduced me, and I came to the podium. And I just started shouting the name of Jesus. I mean as loud as I could shout it. Jesus! Jesus! My team were looking at me like, he's crazy. But what I didn't know is that that night, radical Hindus had come. They'd come in their trucks. These men had filled the back of the trucks. There were gangs of them. They were armed with knives and bats. And they came to take me out. And what I didn't see, and I thank God the Holy Spirit didn't let me see it. But they had approached in their gangs each side of the stage. And we had ushers on each side of the stage trying to hold back this gang. But suddenly as I began to shout the name of Jesus, I looked behind me and the whole choir, there was about 90 in the choir, 
The whole choir fell out under the power of God. No catchers, no ushers, no right people. They were falling off the three steps, flights of stairs under the power of God. Suddenly in the crowd, holes started appearing in the crowd. It was like God was just breathing on areas in the field and people started falling out, being filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, when we trust God, when we believe in Him alone, when we obey Him, God will do something in your life that only He can do. You see, what happened was this. When the radicals saw the power of God falling, when they saw people falling under the power all over the field, the fear of God fell upon them. They dropped their knives, their bats. They started loading the trucks and they got out of that field as fast as they could. I preached the gospel that night. Thousands gave their lives to Christ. Miracles, signs and wonders. You see, hell knows the name of Jesus. I said hell knows the name of Jesus. I'm believing tonight that God is going to raise up some radical Bible preaching, devil rebuking, blood bought, Holy Ghost filled radicals for Jesus. Does anybody say, Lord, use my life in this place tonight. Fill my life. In Jesus' name. It's such a privilege to be here tonight. I always love coming to Generation for Truth. How many years have I come now? Is it three? Three years? Wow. To see what God is doing in the midst of you is just incredible. To see young people on fire for God. I love it. You know, I hear some preachers saying that, theologians saying that the church will not survive the 21st century. I don't know what Bible they're reading. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. will always raise up a man or a woman, a young boy, a young girl to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe the fire of God's going to fall in this place tonight. Do you believe it? Are you ready for the word of God tonight? Oh, that was feeble. Are you ready for the word of God tonight? Can I let you in on a secret? Obviously, I get to travel all over the world. I just flew. I just preached yesterday at ORU to those Bible students right in the chapel of Oral Roberts University. The fire of God fell in that meeting. But when I was looking at those young people, I saw a hunger in their eyes. I don't know whether some of them even knew what they were hungry for 
but they were hungry for a touch from God. And I want to let you in on a secret. I can go to a place and preach. And I preach the message that God gives me. And I preach it with all my heart. But I preach exactly what my notes say. But there are some places I go, I can preach the same message. And their hunger pulls something out of me that was never in the notes. Because God will always fill your hunger. God will give revelation in order to meet your hunger. Because the Bible says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. That's why, if you're hungry tonight, God's going to fill that hunger. I don't know, I don't want to be the only one that preaches tonight. I want you to preach tonight. If you believe for something, if God says something from this pulpit and that's for you, then I want you to just receive it. Say, yes, God. Even if it's a praise God, even if it's a hallelujah, receive it by faith. Let your hunger pull out of the servant of God a word that brings, oh, that brings a miracle in your life. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Like the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed through the crowd. There are nights that I'm in meetings that I'm so hungry for God. I'm like, there's no way I'm leaving here without a miracle. You know when you're hungry for God? God, I want more. You don't make God nervous. It's not like God goes, <coughs> well, I've given you everything I have. You don't make God nervous. In fact, God's been waiting for you to become so unsatisfied with the crumbs that you have that you say, God, I want it all. I lay my life down. I want all that you have for me. I want that destiny that you've called me. I want that anointing that you've released to my life. Is there anybody here that says I'm that hungry? Okay, let's go to the Word of God. I want you to turn with your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel. Can we give a thank you to this worship team? Are they not incredible? I want you to turn with your Bibles please to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I would like to thank all the pastors, Pastor Sergey, youth pastors, leaders, there's so many of you. I love you. I love you with all my heart. You have an incredible worship team. Come on, can we give God a big thank you for these guys? Are they not awesome? Be seated. We're good. 
You know, I've been in my hotel room today just crying out to God that God would give me a word for this season in your life. And the Lord spoke something to me that I believe God is going to use in your life to bring a breakthrough. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I'm going to read from verse 26. Somebody say yes when you have it. 1 Samuel 17, 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard what he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. The word that I want to pick up on is that one line where David says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? If you're a note taker, I want you to write this down. From the cross to the cause. From the cross to the cause. You know the Bible says in the book of Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I want to tell somebody tonight that there's a word over your life. We live in a carnal generation. I call it the selfie generation. We are the selfie generation. If I see another photograph like this on Facebook, I'm going to scream. We're a carnal generation. It's all self. But you see, we don't serve a carnal God. The Bible says our God is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. The power of God, the glory of God, it is eternal. His word is eternal. When you read the word of God, when you read the Bible, 
There are things in the word of God that you won't understand with your carnal mind. Have you ever read this in Revelation when it says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world? In the natural, you can't comprehend what that means. How could Jesus have been slain before God even made the earth? How could Jesus already have died when the world was not even made? But you see, in order for you to understand that revelation, you have to understand that when God speaks, when he decrees something, it is already done. See, what the word of God really decrees is this, is that before God made the heavens and the earth, he already decreed that Jesus would die on a cross, that he would shed his blood, that we might be the redeemed of God. He decreed it from eternity into time. I'm going to say that again. He decreed it from eternity into time you see when God speaks he defines the ages and the dispensations his word defines your season watch this the Bible says in Galatians 4 4 but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son. Okay, young people. I ain't going to preach to you like young people. Because it's time that we matured. It's time that we got the meat of the word. I don't want to preach to you like young people. I want to preach to you the meat of the word. How many wants the meat of the word? Okay. You see... When God speaks from eternity, there is a moment that God has designed in time for that word to be made manifest. God decreed that the lamb would be slain and in the fullness of time, when the moment was right, when God had ordained for that moment, the word was made manifest. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Hello, are you here? The Bible says, and I love this, that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. The word was birthed, but it had already been decreed in eternity. Can I show you something? I don't know whether you're ready for this. I don't know whether you're ready for this. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay, here we go. I'm coming down there right now. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke creation into being. You see what you need to understand about God? He could have just made it with his hands, but he spoke it. Because when God speaks, see everything God does, he does through the 
word, the spoken word. That means that when he said, let there be light, and there was light, in that moment, God had already released. He decreed from eternity that the Lamb of God would be slain. People always ask me, evangelist, if God is all-knowing, if he's all-seeing, then why did he allow the devil in the garden to deceive Adam and Eve? Why? Because he'd already decreed the Lamb would be slain. That Jesus would come and shed his blood. That Jesus would die on a cross and rise from the dead. And when the fullness of time had come, when it was the right moment, when God had decreed at this moment, the Lamb shall be birthed. The Son of God will be made manifest. In the same light, God chose you before the foundation of the world. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying to you. That means that God decreed a word over your life that at the right time, in the right season, at the right moment, you would be made manifest for such a time as this. God said, I chose you from the foundation of the world that there's a purpose in your life. There's a destiny in your life. When Jesus came to this world, he came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the English translation is very weak in translating what Jesus really said. You have to study the Greek and the Hebrew. But really what Jesus was saying is, the kingdom of heaven is right here, right now. I am the kingdom. See, when the kingdom comes, his will is done. The disciples says, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When his kingdom comes, God's will is being done. When his will is being done, the kingdom. In the same way, eternity steps into time. Heaven comes down. See, when the kingdom comes, you don't need a spiritual, super spiritual person to discern that the kingdom is here. You know those super spiritual people that live on the end of your row? I'm discerning that the kingdom is here. No! When the kingdom comes, it looks like something, it sounds like something, it is something. When the kingdom comes, it sounds like the gospel being preached. It sounds like worship. It sounds like praise. When the kingdom comes, you'll see it. It looks like something. It looks like salvation. It looks like the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking. When the kingdom comes, God's will is brought from eternity into time. It is made manifest. When the kingdom comes, you'll know it. You know why? 
Because you'll feel it. When the kingdom comes, his glory begins to be made manifest. You'll feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. You'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm tired of people saying, the kingdom's here and nothing is manifesting. When the kingdom comes, you'll see it. You'll hear it. You'll know it. See, I'm not just going to preach about healing. And miracles never happen. Jesus said, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he was saying is, preach that the kingdom has arrived unto you right We're going to have a healing service, but nobody gets healed, no? Jesus didn't say the kingdom will be there in two weeks. Jesus said, no, the blind shall see, the deaf shall hear, the lame shall walk. John the Baptist, he sent his disciples to Jesus. And they asked him the question, are you the Messiah? Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? You know what Jesus said? Go tell John. The things which you see and hear. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. And the poor have the gospel preached unto them. If you want to know about the kingdom of God. If you want to know about when eternity steps into time. When the kingdom of heaven. The dominion of the king steps into your situation. You won't have to guess it. You won't have to wonder about it. You will know. Because something is about to change in your life. Give God a mighty shout of praise in this place. The Bible says in Daniel 11:32, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. But those who know their God, you see, intimacy will always release your destiny. People who know their God. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. When you believe in God, it doesn't matter whether I bump into you in the mall, I bump into you in the college, I'll know in whom you have believed. Those who know that God won't compromise. Those who know that God If you look at their computer and you go on their history, you'll know there's no pornography on there. Those who know their God, that have put their faith, their trust, their whole lives in Him. Those who know Him shall be strong. If you're weak tonight, Maybe you're struggling with temptation. Maybe you're in this generation for truth. And you've come to the conference and you feel weak. I want to tell you God is here right now. The kingdom is here right now. It is manifest. Because when you are weak, he is made strong. Those who know their God shall be strong. And do great exploits.
I love some of the translations. It says, those who know their God will be strong against the devil and take action. Are there any kingdom? People told me I was too young, too inexperienced, didn't have enough money, didn't have a website, didn't have partners, didn't have Facebook. But I don't need to know Facebook to do great exploits for God. I need to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Those who know their God shall do great exploits. That's why Paul said, we are Christ's ambassadors. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying to you. We are walking territories of the kingdom of God. Wherever the sole of your feet shall tread, so shall you, Paul, possess. In your college, you're taking ground. See, we can't just keep singing songs and clapping our hands and going, ooh. No, there comes a time when you've got to move in God and, and take action. Believe God. The what he put in your heart is not just your imagination. It is the call of God. It is a word that God decreed over you before he even made you in your mother's womb. Those who know their God shall do great exploits. See, I'm not just looking into young people tonight. I'm looking into the eyes of tomorrow's generals. Tomorrow's evangelists, tomorrow's pastors, tomorrow's revolution, tomorrow's kingdom shakers, kingdom movers, those that will not back down, but those who know their God shall do great exploits. If you believe it, I want you to shout unto God with a, a voice of triumph. Ambassadors. Can I tell you a quick story? When the Bay Revival broke out in Mobile, Alabama, I had to go home to renew my visa. And the devil tried to stop me from coming back to the revival. Six months I was fighting. And I knew hell was trying to stop that revival. People were praying. And there came the time that I had to go to London. I had to go to the U.S. Embassy. And when I went there, I was in London. I'm a British citizen. I'm in my own country. This is mine by birthright. And yet... When I got to the gates of the embassy, there was a U.S. soldier 
And he was standing right at the gate, right at the borderline. And he said to me, young man, I need to tell you that when you step over this line, you are no longer in British territory. You are stepping in to U.S. territory. You are stepping in to another rule. He said, you must give up your British citizenship. I had to hand him my passport. See, what we don't realize is, God said, when you're washed in the blood, when you belong to Jesus, wherever you go, in the darkest places, in the places that the devil believes he's got on lockdown, when you step into that place, you're not under the devil's rule. In fact, the kingdom of God is about to take over. See, what I'm trying to preach to some of you, you came here, but when you go back, what the devil had on lockdown, you're about to take over. Give God a praise in this house. David was chosen by God. God decreed that David would be the king of Israel. He was anointed, but he wasn't in position. I love the story of David because the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart and yet God spoke it while he was still a boy. <laughs> oh, you're too quiet tonight. What's going on in here? Am I not preaching good? David was a boy, but God called him a man after his own heart. You want to know why? Because God calls things as though they were, even though they're not. The God saw David, what he was going to be, not what he was that time. See, when God looks at you, he doesn't look at where you are today. He looks at where he's called you to be. He doesn't call you a sinner. He calls you a child of God. He doesn't say, oh, you don't hear what I'm saying to you. God said, David, you're a boy, but you're a man after my own heart. Why? Because I've already decreed it from eternity. David was rejected. He was ostracized. He was forgotten. You know why I love that? It's because you don't have to be the right person in other people's eyes. God still chose you. Even though people don't recognize you. Even people only see you as you are, not what God's made you to be. Even though you might have been rejected, even though you may not know the love of a parent, you may have feel like an orphan, but I'm telling you tonight, in Jesus' name, God says that you are a mighty woman, a mighty man of valor. He doesn't call you a boy. He calls you a man, a woman after the heart of God. If you believe it, shout amen.
God anointed David. I want to talk to you about being anointed in obscurity. I want to talk to you about having a call on your life, but nobody sees you. Nobody can hear you. See, everybody talks about the dream, but they don't talk about the obscurity. They don't talk about the time where God still anointed you, but you're still rejected. God anointed you, but you're still not recognized. God hid David so well that even the prophet nearly missed him. Samuel comes. He gets Eliab and thinks, wow, this is the guy. He looks the part. He's muscly. He's strong. He's good looking. He's a people leader. Let me pour the oil. And God says, no, the oil won't pour. See, God has to hide you in obscurity because he'll teach you in obscurity what one day you'll do in notoriety. In other words, God is going to teach you in a hidden place what God is going to cause you to stand in your rightful place. David was hidden in obscurity, still anointed. The Bible says that God anointed him to be a king. But he was living in a field. See, I'm talking to young people right now. That God spoke to you. God called you. God anointed you. He's put a dream in your heart. But the devil tells you it's never going to happen. You tried to do something for God and people rejected you. People pushed you aside. And you said, God, why did you put the dream in my heart? David was rejected. People quit so easily these days. I see young people all the time because we live in a generation of the selfie. Everything has to be instant. Let me tell you right now, nothing comes easy. In the kingdom of God, when God truly spoke it to you, you better get ready for a fight. Because when it's a real word from God, hell is going to try to destroy it. But David, his word is hidden in obscurity. But he's still worshiping like he always has. Still praising. He's still using his instrument to bring glory to God. See, what you do in obscurity matters. What you do in a hidden place matters. 
Because you don't realize what you do in obscurity will be your weapon in a moment of destiny. Oh, I got to say that again. What you do in obscurity, what you do when nobody sees you, will become your weapon in a moment of your destiny. See, there are destiny moments. There are moments that God has decreed in your life that you won't even know it. But there'll be a moment where you step right into your season. People always say to me, well, everybody knew you from the Bay Revival. I say, are you kidding me? I was preaching to old people on a Wednesday morning for years. They were 80 years old. I used to lay hands on those 80-year-old people. They'd be all laid out on the floor. If the emergency services came, they'd think someone's died. What, you think that anointing came overnight? I was doing it in a small church, in a small town. It wasn't to the masses. It wasn't on television. But that same anointing now is the same anointing that is now here right now. God is trying to teach you how to still be anointed but still be unrecognized. How to be faithful because God is going to use that thing in your life and it will become your weapon. The battlefield was David's platform. Oh, I want to preach to you right now. Because you see, you've got, you're still anointed. God still called you. He still chose you. But you've got to let God create your platform. The armies of hell came against Israel and David didn't realize it. But this was his crossover moment. This was the moment where all that God taught him in the secret place was about to be seen. See, what I love about David is he wasn't called to play the harp. But he played it, and he was so anointed to play it, that when Saul was tormented by the devil, he called for David to come and play the harp. Well, I'm not called to worship. Yes, you are. David was anointed to be a king. He was anointed to lead the armies of God. He was anointed to take territory. He was anointed to usher in the glory of God. But he played the harp so well that it tormented the devil. Oh, I don't hear you in this house. Give God a praise right now. See, I'm not preaching too long. Is this okay? You see, when you have an exceptional gift, get ready for exceptional highs and exceptional lows. The lower the lows, the higher the highs. 
See, you got to know what it is to be in obscurity, but to be ready for one God says, now it's time, and you step into your destiny. You got to be ready for when God says, now the fullness of time has come. Now I'm going to release that word in your life. I'm going to release that anointing in your life. David steps into the battlefield. Can I tell you something? When you're anointed, you'll stand in places that others can't even bear to look at. When you're anointed, people look at it and go, oh my goodness, there's no way. And yet there's something in you that is pulling you towards the place that God says, now take your position. You see, Eliab was not the man. The brothers were not the chosen ones. David was chosen. And when God chooses you, nobody can take your place. You don't need to fight for your position. You don't need to fight for your credibility. No, because when the time is right, when there's a problem that nobody has the answer for, God will position you in your rightful position. I hate it when people are fighting for titles. People come to me and say, I want your anointing. I look at them and say, no, you don't. You don't want anything to do with this anointing. You know why? It wasn't made for you. It was made for me. The anointing on your life wasn't made for the person next to you. It was made to rest on you. It was made to rest on you. It was made to rest on you. Only you. Only you. Only you. Only you. Only you. David takes his place right in the fight. And I love what he said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? People who know their God shall be, shall be, shall be. See, everybody saw a giant. David saw an opportunity. Sorry, I'm going to get excited. I'm going to get excited. Because you might see a problem, but I see an opportunity. There's a moment that God is going to step you in a place where you're not afraid. You say, this is the moment that I'm going to see the glory of God in my life. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, people get offended when you get radical. People get mad at me when I say God opens the eyes of the blind. I say crazy things like, don't come near me. Don't come with your unbelief. Get your cutting knife away from me. I'm too far gone. I'm a hopeless case. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the blind see. 
I've watched God open deaf ears. I've watched God grow a leg back right in my hand. You don't come near me with your... Who is this uncircumcised? His brother said, your stinking pride. Who do you think you are? You'll never see a revival in your college. You'll never see a revival in your city. Don't you know that this region is too dark? Why is it that whatever city I go to, they always say, this is the biggest place in America for witchcraft. <laughs> oh, evangelist. We're so happy you're here because this is the darkest region in the United States. You know what I say? Oh, glory. Because I don't know what you know, but when the light shines, it shines brighter. You see, do you want to know the definition of darkness? You want to know the real definition of darkness? Go to a dictionary. You know what it'll tell you? Darkness, the definition is the absence of light. Oh, come on, come on. Go with me. Go with me. Go with me. Darkness can only exist where there's no light. Who are you? Who are you? You are the light. Everyone fears in the, for the darkness. When you're full of light, you take your place. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? How dare you rob our generation? How dare you put sexual perversion? How dare you? How dare you invade my school? How dare you invade my college? Take your place. Take your position. David looked at his brothers. He said, what? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason why I have a righteous anger inside? Is there not a reason why God anointed me to be at this battle for such a time as this? Is there not a reason why I was born the time that I was born? Now I see. I know why I was rejected. You know why they never accepted you. You know why you try to do it in your own way. And God kept pulling you back. God kept holding you. God never let you go. Even though you tried to go in the world. God ruled you back. Why? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? David said, your fear, you're in anxiety, you're trembling, but I'm here for this cause. See, I'm trying to preach to somebody right now. You may be watching me at home. God brought you to this place. He positioned you right here, right now for this cause.
You've come to generation for truth, for this cause. There's a purpose. There's a destiny. Take your rightful place. Take your position. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to be on fire? With the fire of the Holy Ghost. When we have a generation that don't even know who they are. We've got a generation that are so lost, they don't even know whether they're male or female. Oh, you don't want me to preach, okay? Okay. And you want a little Holy Ghost? No. I need the fire of God in my life. I need the anointing of God in my life because I'm in a position that God called me to. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason why we need to cry out to God? Is there not a reason why we need to worship Him radically? Is there not a cause? You were born for this cause. The cross was calling you for this cause. His blood was shed for this cause. Young people, listen to what I'm saying to you. The devil will try and fill your life with every distraction that he can think of. He'll try and woo your flesh. Why? Because he wants to stop you from stepping into the fight. He wants to keep you sleepy. He wants to keep you apathetic. He wants to keep you just going to church, but no power, no encounter. Because he doesn't want you to ever understand that you are here for this cause. Don't just give him a clap. Give him a radical praise that he called you right now, right here. Woo! Woo! Yes, Lord! You know... I get more nervous, nervous coming to a conference than I do studying those stadiums. You know why? Something happens to me when I step in. When I step into those crusades, something starts to happen to me. I feel a boldness. I feel a, a boldness come on me. Bring me the blind. Why is there not a cause? Is this not the purpose that God saved me out of that addiction, out of that bondage? Was there not a cause that my grandparents all my life got out of bed in the middle of the night crying out to God for my salvation? Is there not a cause? 
Was there not a cause why you never died? That thing never killed you. That thing never destroyed you. That abuse should have scarred you. But God made you whole. God made you new. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause why you're here tonight listening to some crazy evangelist sweat and preach? Is there not a cause? What's the reason why you're here tonight? And on the outside, it looks like you have everything, but on the inside, you're empty. You've got the friends, you've got the popularity, but you're empty. Is there not a cause why that thing should satisfy you, but it doesn't? Why you lay in bed at night and you say, what is it? Why am I empty? You see, is there not a cause? You were born for this. You were purchased for this. You were ransomed for this. He opened up his arms. He hung on a cross for this cause. You see, the Bible says in the book of Acts, after his passion, he showed himself alive. Oh, help me preach this Holy Ghost. Help me preach this around the world. After his passion. What does the Bible call his passion? cross the beating the blood the lashes upon his back the disfigurement the agony he called it his passion why is there not a cause you see for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He saw you. He saw you take your place. He saw you step forward in robes of righteousness. He saw you anointed from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. He saw you. He said in 2018, she'll step into a place. In 2018, he won't no longer be apathetic. He'll step right into the fight. He'll realize that he was in obscurity because I was preparing him for his destiny. Oh yeah. Oh yes! Oh yes, Lord! Can you imagine when heaven looks and you're not in your place? You see, I'm not preaching too long because I really don't want to preach too long. Are you getting something out of this? 
see what David, David didn't realize this was greater than him when he said is there not a cause he had no idea how big the cause really was in Isaiah 11 the prophet Isaiah prophesied that from the stem of Jesse shall come a branch that will be the Messiah and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord and he shall judge the nations with righteousness see David didn't know it but from the bloodline of David would come the Messiah he didn't realize that this fight wasn't just about the Philistines. This fight was about eternity. This fight was about you. This fight was about me. There was something that God was trying to birth out of David greater than himself. Why is it? Why is it that in this generation, if it's not about us, it's not worth doing? See, the anointing in your life. You heard this young man say it earlier. The anointing on your life is not just about you. God is trying to birth something for eternity. This is about legacy. This is about generations. You might be in a fight right now, but when you take your position, something's about to manifest in you that you never believed possible. There'll be an anointing come upon you that you won't have fear. You won't have insecurity. There'll be a boldness comes on you because you know that God made you for right in the position that God has placed you. Give God a shout in this house right now. Jesus called the cross his passion. What's your passion? You want to know what you're called to be? Find out what's your passion. If your passion's all about you, you better drop it like a hot potato. Well, the passion really is, is I just want to be famous. Give me a break. Give me a break. God's anointed you to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are captive. God has anointed you to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils, to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favor. He has anointed you for this cause, that you might be a witness to the ends of the earth, that you might proclaim from Jerusalem to the ends of the world that Jesus Christ died and rose again, that he is alive forevermore for this cause. I have anointed you.
for this cause. I baptized you. Don't get me preaching. I'll start sweating real time. When I feel the fire of God, I start to pour like I'm in an oven. I know what Jeremiah said when he said, my word, your word is like a fire. Shut up in my bones. When God puts his word in you, it burns like a fire. It cannot be quenched. For this cause, you will be my witness. For this cause, you won't be afraid. See, Jesus said, get ready. Are you ready? Jesus said in John 12, 27, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause, I came unto this hour. John 18, 37 says, For this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages the world had been hitting God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent, everyone say intent. That means purpose. To the intent that now, everyone say now. manifold wisdom of God might be made known to principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord verse 14 for this cause I bow my knees Unto the Father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. For this cause. Is there not a cause? Is there not someone in your family that doesn't know Jesus? Is there someone around you that needs a breakthrough? Is there someone that needs a miracle? Is there not a cause? See, if there's not a cause, then why do you have an excuse? Oh, you don't want to hear that. If there's not a cause, why do you have an excuse? Because when you know that this is the cause, there are no excuses. You can't be silent. You have to be a burning one. You have to be full of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to get the appreciation of your peers. 
You don't need your friend to appreciate you all the time. You don't need people to adorn you. You know that there's a cause bigger than yourself. It's not about you, boo-boo. It's all about him. Is there not a cause? Are you a burning one? See, tonight, the fire of God's going to fall all over this room. Miracles are going to happen. People are going to get set free. People are going to get healed. For this cause. Because when you've been to the cross, you live for the cause. See... I finish with this, I promise. I want the worship team to come. I feel the fire of God on me right now. Woo! Quickly, keyboard, just begin to play. Just begin to play. Anything, anything. Just quickly play. I feel the anointing of God. Just play, just play, just play. Can I show you something? I said, can I show you something? David runs with a sling and five stones. Because <laughs> he'd already killed a lion and a bear. He was in position. And the Bible says that Saul said to his servant, watch what he said. He said to Abner, who is this young lad? Who is this boy? This 17-year-old boy? That troubles me. It troubles me. It troubles me greatly. Because in chapter 16, Saul calls for David and Saul rejects him. In chapter 16, when the spirit is tormenting Saul, when the devil is tormenting his soul, because the anointing, the anointing had lifted from Saul, the devil was now tormenting him. He said, bring me the son of Jesse. David came into the bedroom of Saul and began to play the harp. And he drove the evil spirit away. How is it? How is it that Saul did not recognize him? anointed 
to kill the lion and the bear. He was anointed to play the harp. But when he stepped into his rightful place, there was a kingship anointing that came on him. It had been there the whole time. But now God brought the mantle and placed it that everyone could see it. It was still David that shepherded the sheep. It was still David that brought the sandwiches to his brothers. It was still David that played the harp. But now it wasn't just David the shepherd boy. Now David was running in the anointing of a king. He was running to defeat the enemies of Israel. This was a symbol of Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to slay the enemy. And he said, now, you are kings and priests. See, some of you came to this conference and people saw you. They recognized you when you left as the one that loves God, but you failed. Oh yeah, he's just that young girl, that young boy. But when you get home, Who is that? Who are they? What happened to them in Vancouver? What happened to them in the conference? Because there's something on them right now. Something happened to them. They're about to take out what we could not remove. They're about to destroy the yoke bound this generation see I'm looking into the eyes of people that were never recognized but something's about to happen to you that people won't even recognize you anymore the Bible says that we will be changed from glory to glory from faith to faith if you believe it I want you to stand to your feet all over this place